Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Jules Gill, I don't know how to tell you this, but I touched a sloth. This week, that's what I that's what I did. That's my birthday wish. Is that, is that a metaphor, mate? I have no, no idea. No, it could not be more literal. I, I had a lovely little birthday trip to a lovely little zoo called the Safari South Lake Safari Zoo in the yeah. UK to the west, the West Country. And, uh, and my lovely wife paid for me to hang out with a sloth for a bit, which you do literally because it just hangs off a rope and you feed it bits of pear and strawberry and, and amazing. And I am all about that sloth life. I mean, imagine <laughs> that you just get to like have a new person come in, a new best friend every single like day, yeah. and they feed you pear and you. You just go like, oh man, I'm just going to chill out for a bit. Hey, I'll tell you might, what, I'll tell might go a little bit over here. But I was he sort of like was hanging backwards, looking at me upside down. And then the guy told me because we were hanging out with him. He's like, oh, turns out I didn't know this that sloths are a, um, they're classed as a it's a class one animal. They're as deadly as tigers. It's just that they can't be bothered to kill anything. So like they just kind of no, hang there. sorry, sorry. How yeah. that is that is like the, that information. Somebody telling me that the um, the daddy long legs has one of the most potent like uh, venoms inside. Oh, but it body, chooses not to use it. it. But it doesn't know. It doesn't have a, a capability of stinging somebody so it can't ever <laughs> manufacture it it's like it's like that sort of information is like i don't want to get into something this deep and theological straight away mm. but intelligent design what's going on there then <laughs> that's like yeah like some weird evolutionary tract thing but yeah sloths have i mean this is a gaming podcast we'll get there but no but you have to explain how to explain. the heck is a, t- a class one as dangerous as a tiger yeah sl- well that's another thing is the guy told me he's like sloths could run after you sloths are actually extremely fast they just can't be bothered he's like they just sort of lie there they can't be bothered and they have insane core strength if a sloth gets a hold of you and wants to crush you to death it can right it just chooses is, not right to. okay what's this guy when you were talking to him did he have instead of a park ranger outfit or a zoo outfit mm-hmm. uh clown shoes on and a squeaky <laughs> nose because this is sounding like pure jokes mate because i cannot envision a sloth a running and arms up and all yeah what's he gonna do he's gonna, well, you want some mate with his giant toenails like trying to like gibbon. clack it on the floor what are you on about oh, i tell you what they had gibbons as well and uh just uh, watching the gibbons <laughs> run around arms in the air they were brilliant just i just i can't recommend animals enough that's my weekly recommendation i i know that this we have to get into the gaming podcast <laughs> side of things but there are so many questions like he just this guy legitimately looked you in the eye and said without yeah. a shred of irony that if they could be bothered it would kill you <laughs> so pretty much it is the most dangerous animal well, on the planet but it is too lazy to do anything about yeah. it. The thing is, though, like I was feeding it a, like a string of pear. They cut them into strips. I was feeding it a, a, like a strip of pear, and it pulled and a it knife on there. you. It was. It- <laughs> 
<laughs> Give me the rest of it. And, uh, it was it was eating this pair, lovely little you know slurpy noises and everything. And then there was a rat that got out of the cage next to her, so oh, he right. went off to deal with that after telling me that it can kill me if it wants to. And I'm just sitting there, and he's like, "Oh, try and feed it the pair, and if it tries to get it with its claw, make sure you give it to it properly because it, it, if it gets annoyed, it'll kill you again." So I was like, "Well, <laughs> trying to feed this thing this like slice of pear while this other bloke runs after this uh, this rat that's in the corner." Um, yeah, it was. No, it's I'm a not time. gonna lie. Right, mate. This sounds like a setup from your wife to get you killed. I'm sure. Like this is this seems like a thing. The worst hitman like, assassination ever. Yeah, because it's a case of like. Okay, so he's going to go in there. You're going to tell him about how dangerous it is. So everyone in the room hears how dangerous loss can be. So it's like, you know, uh, plausible deniability. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to release the rat. You're going to make an excuse and go over there. And the pear's going to be in his hands. And it's going to be like the pear murders. Sort of and the sloth is slowly going to kill him. But it's not that reliable. Oh, um, one last in. uh, animal in, fact. Man. Because the room, <laughs> the room that we were in was full of humongous tortoises, like really, really giant tortoises, like the size of like sort of small toddlers. What, like and- the turtle pope from Elden Ring? Well, um, right, okay, yeah, like the, like the turtle pope. If you had a whole room of turtle popes, yep. um, I don't know if you know what it sounds like when a giant tortoise goes to the toilet, but no, I, I, do not. I was in that room, and you know when like really wide pipes sort of like shake in an old house, and it just sounds like the whole w- world is ending. So we that's have like a haunted a anus. <laughs> yeah, that's what a tortoise sounds like when it goes to the toilet. It's just sort of like like a lot of rattling, and, like, and, I was, and the guy was like, oh, that's just, that's what it sounds like when a giant tortoise goes to the toilet. That is so, absolutely insane. Let me love it. it was I a beautiful it. time so um, in that regard massive thank you to everybody for sending in all their birthday messages and everything loads of people tweeted me stuff massive thank you to you so as well sweet. on the day itself no, no, um, I got a whole bunch of tweet stuff I had a bunch of people getting in touch it was lovely I had a lovely time I'm now 33 which is insane which I is know weird. man wait, wait until you catch thing. up to my age you start just getting more achy the thing is is that like <laughs> I was told when I was younger that doing more would mean that I'd have a sort of like better life mm. going forward in terms of like doing climbing and sort of like weightlifting and stuff like that. And now I'm just aching 24 <laughs> seven. Like. I view experience as experience as in yeah. the words of Loki. Um, so yeah, massive thank you to everybody for sending in their birthday messages and stuff. And also this is the Entitled Banter Podcast. I'm Scott Tailford, your Jules Gill. I am indeed. Welcome to the UBP. Welcome yeah. to the UBP, the UBP, the UBP. UBP, the Entitled Banter Pod, where we put together as many questions, thoughts, talking points, whatever you'd like us to talk about. And we'll get through as many as possible. So, um, first submission from Willie Araya, who says, Did you realize it was the 35th anniversary of Metal Gear two weeks ago? Do you still have hopes for anything to happen with this franchise? (laughs) No, not anymore. I don't even think Konami even acknowledged it. I mean, is 35 years really like a sort of milestone moment? I can see the 25 (laughs) years. We're almost 35 years old. Yeah, but the thing is, is that like, I can understand it for like the 25th anniversary and the 50th anniversary. Like, Mm. you you need those sort of like big numbers to come in. 35. Five just seems like very like mediocre like eh? I, I mean yeah, like I literally it. it's it's been my 35th birthday and it's mm-hmm. just a case of like well I don't feel like in, entirely infused about it so maybe Konami <laughs> are just kind of like whatever's mate in it whatever well I kind of thought they would do considering the PlayStation Premium stuff the Game Pass stuff maybe put maybe just put a Metal Gear collection out how hard yeah. is that like yeah, why I know, can't right. I play the Metal Gears um, well, it's always you, like hard to get a hold of them you say that Konami mm-hmm. don't have a great history track history with putting out uh, remasters and re-releases do you remember what happened no. with the uh, Silent Hill one where they obviously had to rebuild it from the ground up and, and removed the fog and it was just like I thought yay. they might have patched that back in because that was on sale they did, the they did eventually Xbox. patch 
about They did him. a bit of it, but this, the textures are all still messed up because, like, my wife and I hadn't gone through Silent Hill 2. She'd never gone through it, and I'd not gone through 2 since, like, 2001 or whatever it mm-hmm. was. So I was like, I'll just get the HD collection. Surely they fixed it. Um, no, they, all the textures are still a mess. They put the fog oh, back bless in. But bless just, him, eh? It just looks terrible. It's the thing. Um, my, uh, my goal now is that uh, I'm going to try and go as long as I can without crapping on some AAA developers. <laughs> I'm going to just be like, you know what? Bless him. Bless okay, him. We all okay. make mistakes. We all make mistakes. I'm trying to like, you know, put positivity out there, even though that's good. sacks of crap. But let's, 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 let's <laughs> like, see how it well, goes. This, that kind of segues to the next question from Hugo Brandeo, who says, good day, legends. Best regards from Portugal. Did you guys notice that the delay potential cancellation of the KOTOR remake is being treated oh, softly man. by the big outlets? Is it because it was a PlayStation 5 exclusive or am I going paranoid? Have a great weekend. Now, I don't think that it's been going softly necessarily. I think it's just that it's very matter of fact. Like yeah. two dudes got fired, the game's director and the game's art director yep. Yep. Um, or main art designer um, both got fired after showing a vertical slice mm-hmm. of the game to the mm-hmm. publishers and it seems like it just wasn't what um, the publishers wanted. I think it's Sabre Interactive. I could be wrong. Yeah. So um, um, first yeah. off, a big shout out to Portugal um, yes. and all our fans Portugal. across the world. A big love to you. Um, but I... I'm obviously gutted about this. Like KOTOR mm. won one of my favorite games ever made. Um, I don't, the best games I don't want to go back to it in its current state because mm. even though the loads of mods and fan patches across the years have shaped this into be like it's, you know, there there isn't many flaws in this game, but mm. the age uh, is being shown in its like combat mechanics and other things like that. So mm-hmm. I don't really want to go back until we get this new version to play through again. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to wait. However, the fact that they've said that it's going to be delayed indefinitely or it's like on hiatus indefinitely, yeah. it's a real shame because I, it makes you think, what was that vertical slice that they showed? I know. It's either going to be that they spent way too much time on too little, which is probably going to be the real answer to this because they want this remaster out the door as quickly as possible because mm-hmm. it's, gener- it's a cash cow, basically. No matter Yay. what state it's launched in, they will make an absolute killing. Mm-hmm. Um but my other worry is, is that what if they changed it too much and it didn't have the trappings of modern day, um, like gaming, the gaming industry in it? Because mm-hmm. whenever they use the term remaster, that's one thing. You can mm-hmm. usually assume that it's going to be nearly 100% the same as it was before. Like a visual but, overhaul. Yeah, a visual overhaul. But when they use like remakes, and re- uh, then you start thinking, oh, okay, we're going to change the combat system. Fine. We're going to change maybe like the dialogue thing. Fine again. If you want to make it more interactive, that's that's completely up to you. Mm-hmm. But it also might come at the expense of microtransactions, loot boxes, all of the bad things that we put it in. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like, Hey, uh, do you like swoop racing? Well, now we've got the swoop racing DLC pack where you can oh customize your ride. And it's like, oh no, please. The thing is, like I went back through KOTOR 1 <clears throat> across last year and like yeah. there are a lot of crates. There are a lot of bits and pieces that you could randomize the loot for if you mm-hmm. wanted to do a modern day thing like that. And what was interesting in the Bloomberg report for this was the um, Aspire, the, the dev team, are mostly a port studio. And so apparently they'd shown off various builds of the game to various people, LucasArts and Sony and stuff. Okay. And just sort of said, okay, this is what we're aiming for. Um, and they devoted so much money and time to these various vertical slices um, that apparently that resulted in them eventually bottoming out and just saying, look, we don't have enough time and have enough money to put together the finished one um, and we're going to have to push it back to about 2025 or something. Yeah. And so it just it kind of just bottomed out. But it's like you said, it's very interesting. What were the versions they were going for? How close was it to that original game? Because mm-hmm. not that much, if anything, plays like that anymore. Like old school Bioware is like a very specific feel of a game. Yeah. And I feel like if they were going to modernize it, I'd kind of want Final Fantasy VII remakes 
style, like proper combat or something. Yeah, um, that had but sort I would of take like, old school um, as well. It had the kind of ATB light bits yeah, in, yeah. where you could still select stuff on the fly, but it was much more dynamic and engaging. Like everything freezes and you sort of yeah. dial in like five or six things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, this has just kind of been pushed back um, indefinitely. And it seems like the, the developers that are remaining, the quote in the Bloomberg uh, piece, just say that they're aiming for 2025 because they have to once again go from the ground up again. Yeah, it does surprise me that it was like, okay, fine, that's it. We're just shelving it entirely. Mm. Like not a pushback in terms of time, just the fact that they go, no, that was really yeah. strange because that means that the response to it must have been so vitriolic that they were like, right, we have to basically start again. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's not even close to like, what It must have been a disaster in terms of the, in the eyes of like <laughs> Lucas uh, Arts and uh, the other Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. well that's the whole thing about it being a PlayStation exclusive like obviously we've got the reveal trailer I think that was earlier this year and like a lot of people were looking forward to it and everything mm-hmm. and it's like that is a major reason in theory to invest in a PlayStation 5 so I guess it had to also tick that box which it mustn't have done but it also like smacks of another problem with the industry which is they released that trailer they got the hype but they had literally nothing behind it if they're no. still at the vertical slice thing if they haven't got full approval for the budget if they haven't got a sort of like foundation then mm. why are they marketing it to us this early on I think to say that we've got this exclusive coming up is mm-hmm. like but it's not going to be for another three years it's like mm. just tell me when it's a year away if it's a year yeah, away it's fresh gameplay. in my mind and i don't get through the hype cycle of being bored of it by the time it comes out because mm-hmm. you know as well as i do when they do this with movies they do teaser trailer okay cool i'm solely on board there's maybe like a little like snippet there that really mm-hmm. gets my uh, juices flowing mm-hmm. but then when it comes to like <laughs> the release or maybe the week before the film drops you're on your what fifth air quotes final trailer yes. and you've seen all loads of scenes you've seen tons of the jokes you've seen uh the bad guy maybe you've even seen the ending mm-hmm. like because of the way that they've done it. Pieces you've, from it, yeah. you've seen too much of it and your hype is dwindling each time mm-hmm. you're like i can kind of predict what this movie is going to be and mm-hmm. i use the mcu films as a perfect example of this you and i have sat down in the past we've predicted the entire <laughs> flow of like half of these films and they mm-hmm. turned out to be Ninety percent right, and I'm yeah, like, you can mostly you, guess. You it now. shouldn't be able to do that with films. True, and in regards to the Kotor stuff as well, like they could add a whole series of dev diaries, like how you know how to approach yeah. going back to a classic, how to reapproach the combat, and all that kind of stuff. And what is what is it like being in the shadow of Bioware or the footsteps yeah. of Bioware? Um, but instead, like you know, we got the teaser thing coming to PS5, and then mm-hmm. nothing else. The um, good example of how to do it right and then catastrophically wrong has been hmm. in the recent Skate Four stuff because yeah, when they yeah. put out that, they actually put out probably one of the more honest sort of approach is to we're remaking this game and it's going to take a while with that whole sort of like it'll be ready when it's ready there's yep. tons of bugs in it we're, we're not anywhere near but we're passionate about it and mm. the amount of positive goodwill that they generated from that from actually being as close to transparent as a developer can be with their yeah. audiences was actually very refreshing mm-hmm. however when they next put out their next update that said it's going to be a free-to-play one that's going to have tons <laughs> of like microstructures straight back down again, i know i think burn. those terms are just too toxic or poisonous or whatever i think yeah. i like my personal take on that was that there probably is a way to do a free-to-play skate that gets people in gives them a couple of courses mm-hmm. and like a good set of moves to have fun with and then i guess you monetize the brand deal side of it but it's all going to come down to the pricing like i absolutely see them charging for oh, licensed yeah. shoes, yep. t-shirts, whatever it is. Um, and that stuff might get a bit gross. But I think if you do the Nintendo approach where you like nail the core mechanics, like what they've done with uh, Mario Strikers um, or what, uh, Mario uh, the Aces tennis game or the golf game, yeah. and you nail the core and you plug stuff in afterwards, that seems to be the way that they're kind of going. I know Nintendo stuff is, is premium, but still. That, that's the thing, yeah. Like, you're describing what I just want, which is just a premium mm. thing. I would actually rather have, I know that this sounds pretty hypocritical considering as I've, I've lambasted titles for doing this in the past. Mm. 
Mm. I would rather pay an upfront cost for a minimal but well-produced core experience that gets free DLC plugged in later on. Mm -hmm. I don't like the idea of free-to-play games because every single one starts to feel homogenous by the end of Mm. it because they Mm. all use the same trappings to get that microtransactions out of you. It's either paywalls or it's cosmetics and stuff like that. And Mm. some are more egregious than others, don't get me wrong. Mm. But with Skate, I was just hoping to have a free-form, open world that was just honest to the original, and it just doesn't seem like we're going to get that. It still may be a good game, do not Mm -hmm. get me wrong. But at the same time, I'm, it's hard not to be disappointed with that. No, I know what you mean. I'm so curious because the thing is, it's EA as well. So it's like they're going to yeah. want certain returns. They're going to want certain checks and balances to make sense. And like, as much as they're in like a bit of a new era with them, um, there was the leaked Black Panther open world game. There's Jedi Fallen mm-hmm. Order. Like mm-hmm. they're doing single player stuff again. Um, yeah, I'm going to be waiting and seeing what the monetization model is because again, like you said, all they've shown off is like wireframe models and barely yeah. textured stuff. Um, and sort of like teasing, okay, how the hell do we monetize this before we even really know what we're going to be monetizing anyway? Yeah. So I guess we'll see. Um, next question from Jacob Wright, who says, hope I had a wonderful birthday. I did. I touched a sloth and hopes that Mr. Egg Daddy <laughs> is doing well. Um, I am, he says, you. with Stranger Things introducing me to Metallica, has there ever been a show or video game that made you fans of another genre of music? Now, this happened to me this year. So okay, you well, you at. go first then. Okay, mine was Oli Oli World. I am um, just absolutely, I, I always love synthwave stuff and yeah. I got more into um, chill hop stuff across the last few years but there's a certain strand uh, basically the Oli Oli World soundtrack I think is one of the most immaculate soundtracks since mm-hmm. Hotline Miami which in itself got me into Synthwave um, but Oli Oli World stuff is just like chill hop with a little bit more in terms of instrumentation it's not just one beat for 20 minutes um, those are really really good songs lots of chill stuff lots of really fun um, still synths in there as well but really good electronic stuff and I just I don't really have the full vocabulary to describe it but I know <laughs> that it's such a great vibe and so Oli Oli World was just my soundtrack for the vast majority of this year nice. um, also shout out to the Persona series um, which I oh, think oh man that that's music the thing, like, is pers- so good because I'd never be into that sort of stuff I'd never mm. choose to actively put that on mm-hmm. yet after playing that game uh, uh, 4 especially mm-hmm. I just put it on and I was like this is cool I can listen yeah. to this like, like in and out and um in fact, uh, no, Five is the one that everyone was uh, doing. But five really we, blew up, the main, when the we main were, theme, yeah. Yeah, when we were back in the office, back in our old one, mm. I remember Andy Murray put on Persona 4's tracks of the... Mm the sort of like calming rain one and it was like yeah. a 10 hour thing we just had it on in the play- <laughs> in the office for like a good day and no one complained even though oh, it's the same so song lovely. repeating like because I do the um, the song I do the Spotify song radio artist radio like to like do that whole thing of like, okay what algorithmically what other artists belong in this group I found loads of people through mm-hmm. that um, but yeah with Persona stuff that genre I think is just city pop and so whenever I've googled city pop I've always found similar stuff um, to that so yeah shout out to Oli Oli World soundtrack and yep. Persona soundtracks and whatever those genres are yeah um, but those would be mine um in terms of like so we're talking about genres that we found because of video games is that correct? yeah yeah like, like any sort of um show or a video game that made you a fan of another genre of music um i guess like i've always been a fan of like any sort of like electronica style mm. uh things I, I i have quite like an eclectic uh, music taste there's mm-hmm. very few things that i don't like or at least can't see the positives in it mm-hmm. um but i do remember being kind of blown away when I first started listening to Jet Set Radio Futures soundtrack. um, Because I think that it was the... I'll do a bad rendition of it because it's the like, uh, understand, understand, understand the concept okay, of love. Okay. Like it was the, the concept of love was the first thing I heard from it. And I was like, uh-huh. this sort of like aggressive, almost like uh, 
digital punky aesthetic to it and and obviously it was tons of funk like every single yeah, like yeah, song yeah. had so much funk so i actually started listening to other electric or funk or japanese proggy style bands mm-hmm. out of that mm-hmm. and i came across uh trico uh which is or tricot i don't know how you pronounce it but okay. it's these um uh it's a japanese all all woman japanese math metal band that is <laughs> absolutely awesome fantastic sense. and weirdly enough like years after the fact i got to see them live uh, and i was just oh, like nice. oh this is perfect yeah mm-hmm. i would shout out um the tony hawks games i think as much as i grew oh, up influential. On, influential you know pop punk stuff anyway like the tony hawks like i mean i would just put back out again with the remasters or the remakes um but yeah those games only re-solidifies my love of like pop punk and early 2000s rock stuff and you know just what bang on they also had like because of this um choice selection of rap songs as well it really does bridge the gap between the rock and rap and metal mm-hmm. side of things because it's like fans of uh, metal sometimes dismiss rap and vice versa because they are tonally very different in terms of it but when you meet in the middle with these sort of like incredibly catchy riffs in like stupidly cr- uh, clever lyrical writing mm-hmm. it's like there are so many constants that are between those two genres that can connect fans. Well, it's like that the Anthrax song, like the uh, with Public oh, Enemy, yeah, like, is yeah, yeah. all-time great. Next. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. 
And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Next question from Steve, who says, what were our first days at What Culture like? Now, I don't think we've ever talked about this. Um, we might have done. We possibly have done. Day. Yeah, we've possibly done it on like streams here and there, mm. like just recounting stuff, but uh, incredibly nerve wracking. I won't mm. lie. Like when I walked through the door, <laughs> I felt like huge imposter syndrome. Um, I went around the office and was not sure who to introduce myself to and or, or how to sort of do things. So mm. I just plumped myself down on a desk, went into the main office and told my boss, I was like, hey, I am here. Uh, I'm going to start writing this. <laughs> I am Jules. And, and it was a case of just like a nod and like, yep, okay. And I was like, oh, right, okay. So I think we'd been, me and you had been messaged about, I knew you like, because yeah, we were yeah. back then, it was all, um, you were doing some voiceover stuff from the articles that were on the website. Mm-hmm. And I knew that, I think I'd messaged you to be like, okay, like this is this game, this is whatever. You'd asked me stuff and we talked a little bit. Yeah. So I loved when you finally came up and actually, and I remember I turned around I was making a cup of tea in the morning. I turned around. You were there. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, he's right here. Like, hello. Like, hello, Jules. But it's, and we it, sort of went from there. It's such like a, a, an interesting vibe because when you've spoken to somebody for as long as we had done, like mm. obviously I was talking to like Peter Austin and Ben Potter as well mm. a bit when they were still working for us. Mm. Um, it was a case of like, getting the gaming crew together was interesting. And then mm. walking through the front door and realizing that there were all the other teams sharing the same space as well. <laughs> so it was like, uh, I, I sat down next to Adam Pacitti and right, that, he yeah. was like, he was my guy. He's like, oh, don't worry. I'll take, uh, like, you know, basically like, I'll take care of you. Don't worry. Like if there's any questions, like you, you just let me know sort of thing. And <laughs> it put me at ease knowing that there was a lot of friendly people up there. Um, mm. I won't say that my first weeks were easy. I found mm. uh, a real struggle to get used to recording when I knew people could hear me. I got yeah, really like uh, flustered with the whole like having to work to deadlines that were shaped around having studio time at mandated uh, things mm. or like having to get out of the studio if I was taking too long because people wanted to go so Every in. single channel was sharing the same studio space. Yeah, so it was, and yeah. I think I had to do a news video on my first day or maybe the second day um, that was my first in front of camera thing for a while. Mm. And over the years, I've gotten more comfortable with how I look. But at that time, I was definitely going through a phase of feeling uh, genuine discomfort in my own body. Okay. Um, especially with my skin. Like I had, uh, I, I have very shiny skin. Like it's been very apparent that the internet's made me very aware of it. But <laughs> You're like, an Adonis brother. But my, um, but I like had like a, like flaring up acne that was due to stress as mm. well at the time. So it was obviously those are the two things that people are going to notice immediately when they click on a video, especially in high definition. That's, so I couldn't that, hide at that point. Right. It, I couldn't hide behind just being a disembodied voice. Mm. I just had to live that. But I'm glad that I did that trial by fire of having, I will admit, a bad couple of videos. Like I didn't carry any conversations. I wasn't able to think on my feet. I wasn't comfortable. And so I made lots of judders and mistakes. I think it'll be and, those ugh. sorts of things that maybe, because I honestly, genuinely, never in a million years have I thought Jules's skin is anything <laughs> other than perfect and exactly what it needs to be. Whereas, because I myself have really bad eczema and I'm always thinking, like, oh my God, this red blotch is so obvious. And it's like, to me, I guess it is. But I think That's that- a, Yeah, the sofa's up because again, I've never noticed that. No, no. And it's like, there were, those are, everyone has those things about themselves that they think are super obvious. And like you said, like on those first videos, you thought you started or whatever. Whereas genuinely, when we did stuff together, I was like, you are so fully formed. 
moment. Like, we are so able to leap on something and just talk, um, which obviously is why we wanted to do the Untitled Banner Pod in the first yeah. place. Um, but yeah, we've always just been able to just talk about stuff. And I think that as much as people do doubt themselves or whatever, I always thought you arrived so fully formed. I was the guy looking at you going, that's how a presenter should oh, be. cheers, brother. So, like, genuinely, I was always like, yeah, we need to, like, match that level kind of thing. And um, I forget what our very first news video would be, but I guess something from 2016, maybe. Or yeah, maybe it would have been a long, long time ago. But I, yeah. I, I just remember, like, sharing the screen space with you, especially, mm-hmm. uh, was just so comforting because <laughs> you've, you've, you, the thing is, in the best possible way, you've not changed since the day that I met you. You've evolved <laughs> as a person, but in terms yeah. of your presenting style, it's just been constant. So it was mm-hmm. like... You... I got less shouty. I used to, I don't know why. Did I think it was shout? a nerve thing. Well, if you go back to the old videos, I don't know why. Maybe it was nerves because like you said, you had to get used to recording. I definitely did, did as well. And I used to try and improvise everything like the whole time, which I can still improvise stuff. Depends what the point is. Yeah. But there was some stuff where I would just kind of dive in, hit record. Okay, I know what I'm talking about. Go. And then sometimes when I was uh, reading stuff out, I would just get really loud and shout it. I don't know why, <laughs> but like if you go back to some of those old videos and I didn't remember shouting it, but they were just recorded so much louder. And I think maybe it was some compensation for making sure I nailed the take or whatever it was. But I think everyone has those things. Yeah, I will definitely say that there's uh, the way that I record my stuff now. It's mm. a, uh, a hyperbolic version of myself. It's a more exaggerated mm. slightly, Same, but, it's, yeah. but it's rooted in you know, my core principles of like, if I like something, I will like praise it. If I don't mm. like something, I'll tell you about it. Mm. And in between those points, I'm always going to try and preach the, you know, positivity wherever I can. Mm-hmm. But when I came into what culture, I thought that you had to have a gimmick. I was brought up oh, on the okay. idea that like King it was kind of like wrestling. Yeah, that you would have to wrestling. have a gimmick in a way to uh to get over with the crowd. Mm. So I went in there with an attitude that was like my first couple of videos I recorded them at speed so that I would hit that sort of Yahtzee flow uh, right, right. Uh, and of a zero punctuation. Mm-hmm. Um and I would also try and get like more of like a dismissive and over-the-top anger level mm. that was very popular around that time with uh, video YouTube critics. That is what it like, massively taken off for us too. Like, I mean, that yeah. was, you know, they were incredibly talented as a, as the wrestling team or whatever back then. For you to come in, that's obviously what you would have gone with. Exactly. Sense, yeah. So you think that that's a way to present yourself. But after a while, you realize that that burns you out because you get known for things either that you don't believe in necessarily or that don't reflect who you are as a person that mm. evolves. And... I've always loved like hopping from gimmick to gimmick to gimmick uh, mm-hmm. across my time here because of the fact that as you change, you develop new interests and you mm-hmm. and you pursue them. But I did notice that um, if you do stick to one gimmick, if that is your one thing mm-hmm. and it become it owns you and then you well, can't plus. break free from it. And then when you do, mm-hmm. you just get reminded again and again of people who only liked you because of that. And it's that's, like- Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Plus like the amount of stuff that we do, like if we're on camera so much, we're doing podcasts, like you can't be in, if it's kayfabe, you can't be in exactly. kayfabe all the time. You're yeah. going to just you know, just be you at some point. Um, yeah, one overall piece of, piece of advice I would give anyone who is recording stuff, because um, you mentioned like you thought that you were stuttering on stuff. I've definitely done flubs and mistakes and whatever. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, you just roll through it. Like there's an assumption yeah. that you have to do everything perfect whereas just just talking and if you stumble a little bit you just you know you take a second you rephrase the same way that you would if you were in conversation and mm-hmm. that's completely natural no one's expecting you to nail every single second of something yeah um, unless it like you know and plus you can be saved in editing or whatever if it's something that doesn't need to be live anyway yeah totally agree and there's something to be said about just taking a break when mm. even in the middle of recording like we have a team of editors here and i'm very friend i'm good friends with nearly every single person that edits my stuff mm-hmm. So that means that I have no issues with showing like 
mistakes or yeah, getting frustrated point, because mm-hmm. I know that in, in that moment that it's a conversation between myself rather than between them. And I shouldn't be thinking about what they think of me mm-hmm. because I know they don't judge me on that. Mm-hmm. So if you are recording and you are editing your own stuff and you are struggling with a line or struggling getting a thought out, just stop for a moment, mm-hmm. really digest what's on the page in front of you. I can't stress how many times that I've seen people, including myself, look at a line of dialogue and say to themselves, I know this, and then get it wrong. And then say, I know this, and do it again and again and again, and keep Mm -hmm. getting it wrong. And it's because you're not looking at the individual words and digesting the information you need to get out. Mm -hmm. And if it's a long piece of like a paragraph, pick out your three or four keywords and just remember the connecting points between them. You can basically get through any conversation if you have your interconnected keywords. That's all you've got to focus on. Don't be too hard on yourself. Take a five minute break. The the editor does not care. They literally will look (laughs) at the video footage. They'll look at the blank space and then just cut it out in one second. Mm -hmm, It mm -hmm. does not matter. So totally. don't be too hard I think the, the keyword like method as well, um, that massively helps me in terms of um, improvisation stuff. Like I, I cannot for the life of me memorize stuff. If you give mm-hmm. me a paragraph, a few sentences, okay, memorize that and then say it to camera. I cannot in a million years. But if you tell me like, when we need to talk about the combat in The Last of Us, then I can give you a 20 minute breakdown off the top of my yeah. head yeah. way better. Um, and I know that maybe there's vague stuff that I want to hit. Um, but yeah, those are things that I guess we just picked up over time as we, because we together learned how to do this as, as What Culture yeah. became a YouTube channel. Um, and not just a website, um, which is to say that, I mean, my first day was back when the, the team was like six people big. Yeah, I know you um, had a much smaller ex- team experience, didn't you? Yeah, so I came in, um, like there's not that much to my first day really because I came in um, on, a, I was initially doing freelance stuff um, where I would go into the office and just sit down, do a couple of articles. It was all website based. We didn't even have a YouTube channel um, back then. Like I said, it was like six people, um, like sort of three writers, one coder and two bosses. Um, and we used to just write as much as possible. And I was doing everything back then, like film and TV and music and stuff. Um, and so it was just like that. My first official day was just like my freelance days where I would just come into the office, sit down morning, make a cup of coffee. Um, okay, mm-hmm. what's happening in various industries? Um, but let's write about that. And so it was just, um, we used to try and hit two articles a day, um, 10 a week if you could, because yeah. it was yeah. just writing. Um, and That's so, yeah. intense, man. I know, man. That was like, that was all like, like foot to the floor style turnaround stuff back then because it was just the website. So you were trying to make a website that would sustain that amount yeah. of people. God, that's like, I'm surprised (laughs) that you guys didn't burn out on that because that is a lot of work to put on to, because we usually allocate between four to five hours per article nowadays, don't we? Yeah, yeah. I think it depends what it is. Because you have to do the research. You have to, you actually, like, like I know that our boss did for, at a time, go for, just write about what you know, Mm -hmm. but you can't know everything and Mm -hmm. you need to research some stuff that does take a lot of time. True. I think that's that's the thing that did work in like my favor or does it work in our favor sometimes is that sometimes you do just know what you want to write about. Yeah. And like so, you like, have yeah. played pretty much every game that has ever come <laughs> out. And I do see you as a font of knowledge when it comes to have you played Thank this you. game? Yes. Is it good? Yes. Okay, cool. I'll probably play it. Then. Like, <laughs> but that's the thing. And I think it helps if it's franchise coverage or IP coverage. If yeah. it's something that you're playing anyway, then you come into the day knowing what you want to talk about. So it's like, okay, I know my thoughts. I can get them down. Um, and coming out of university or whatever, you're used to, um, you know, getting to the meat of the point that you want to say and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so my first day was just writing my ass off because that's what freelance was anyway. And then things changed 
changed over time. Um, next question from Haley from Canada, who says, thoughts on the new PlayStation Plus service so far? Is streaming PlayStation 3 games better than it was on PlayStation Now? Is there enough on the service to recommend it at this point? Now, I know you don't have this, Jules, so no, I'll I don't quickly know. mention this. Um, I think it's fine. I don't think it's worth the extra money. I wouldn't get the PlayStation Premium, the top tier stuff, because for me, and maybe this will change very soon, because Sony just announced what their PlayStation Plus monthly games are going to be, and not what the premium stuff is. Um, maybe that'll change, but they've barely acknowledged the fact that this is meant to be an archive legacy service. Like this Mm -hmm. is, people are paying an extra tier for PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2 and PS3 games and you can only stream the PS3 games and they've barely done anything with that. They've not got out there and said, we can't wait to get Resident Evil 2. We can't Mm -hmm. wait to get Dino Crisis. Mm -hmm. We can't wait to get whatever. Um, There's nothing. And so their latest update, um, which is just regular PlayStation Plus stuff, is that um, the Yakuza series is coming to PlayStation Plus. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Like all the Yakuza games. Although you'd be insane to play all the Yakuza games in a row. Like that's my favorite IPs and that's like 500 that's hours of game overkill a bit <laughs> yeah. isn't it on that front so like they've got that stuff out there and on that graphic for the Yakuza stuff it has the logos for the different tiers of PlayStation Plus but for mm-hmm. me they've completely dropped the ball on reassuring people who paid the extra money why they did it in the first place so yeah I think it's a little bit I think you're better off waiting I think you might as well just get the middle tier because that gets you the likes of Stray which just came out and Yakuza and everything like that mm-hmm. um, streaming games it's the same like it's 1080p um, it's it, trying to hit 30 FPS um, if you're lucky um, they, they feel like games from 2007 they don't feel like yeah. they're upscaled whatsoever so yeah I don't think it's worth the extra money I would get the middle tier or the uh, just stick with what you had basically I don't think it's worth the uh, the premium stuff just yet I'm hoping that as I say that I low-key trigger a Tekken 3 announcement or something yeah 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 because yeah. um, they need something big but um, Mr. Yeah. Sony watching this just goes like right well Scott you've you've, you've made me pushing the button which just says release all the games push the Tekken 3 the, the Tekken 3 klaxon has sounding and enough people have said it. Um, next question from RB who says, with TMNT Shredder's Revenge taking reviewers by storm with its fun and modern take on classic beat em up, uh, sorry, on the classic beat em up genre, which other franchise would you love to see get the same treatment? Personally, I would love a new X-Men game. That's oh. such a shout. So do you mean like as in the X-Men arcade game getting that sort of I guess of it would like have same. to be like, yeah, like slick 2D animation, great soundtrack. It just plays. Like TMNT just goes. It it's really does. Game. Like every single time that I load it up, I just have this huge stupid smile on my face because it just is lovely like Mm -hmm. i know that we say that it's like oh it's a love letter to its source material it's just Mm -hmm. like this is a romance novel like it's got the fake sort of like uh, kiss lipstick marks all over as well (laughs) this is this is the bee's knees my friend yeah i think it's immaculate i can't there's not i never like 2d brawler stuff i that wasn't my jam when i was a kid you have mentioned mine's always 3d so i think if i went back to stuff it would be the simpsons game i guess if you Mm -hmm. got the rights from fox and you sort of did the animation really well um you could kind of bring that back but i don't have that many pulls when it comes to 2d brawlers Um, i don't know if it's more your bread and butter than mine see i was raised on the sort of snares stuff so i have so i've got like all of the uh the 2d uh realm is at my fingertips as it were so i'm Mm -hmm. thinking that if i would want to pick something from that back catalog to basically unleash on the modern era Mm -hmm. have you ever played a game called uh sunset riders i've heard of it i think i've seen pictures of it there's a Mm -hmm. ps4 version of it as well that came out that added in two new characters and i thought that it was absolutely fantastic but i'd love to see it's like a side-scrolling shoot-em-up kind of similar to Contra but it also has moments where it goes into a shooting gallery where oh, you cool. then shoot into the background and you right. have like you uh, take control of a cursor while mm-hmm. also piloting your person to make sure they don't get hit at the same time I'm not, did we play that with Rich once maybe yes mate that, yeah, that probably that I think probably I have is. played that it's like a Wild West themed and it's mm. just absolutely yep. fan- well, it's, it's like cyberpunk Wild West and it's absolutely brilliant mm. I would love to see a 
brand new take on that formula with that character and those, uh, those characters and those settings. I just mm-hmm. think it would be absolutely brilliant. Something like, yeah, anything that sort of takes the, the love and care side of it, like you said, it's like the people who made Shredder's Revenge, they really care. Like yeah. every frame of animation, the fact that you're reviving a character with a pizza slice um, or just doing little sound bites and stuff, it comes across uh, It comes across perfectly. Final question from Christopher Snow, who says, I know I'll get crap for this, but is getting another GTA that won't be as good as Vice City, because nothing ever will be, really worth losing other IPs that have been Rockstar's best work, i.e. Red Dead, Ellie Noir, and Bully? Um, I don't know if you've seen the GTA 6 stuff, Jules, but it seems like that's what they're, um, they're going towards. It's where Returning to Vice City, that's yeah. all the eggs are in the GTA 6 basket. Mm-hmm. Um, the remakes of, uh, or remasters or whatever of GTA 4 and the original Red Dead have been canned. So it seems like Rockstar are just full steam ahead on uh, more GTA. Now, I feel really, really upset that they have canned the uh, the remakes because I do feel mm-hmm. like they could have been good. However, when you consider the uh, apocalyptic poop storm that was the <laughs> uh, GTA definitive, definitive edition, it was just... Maybe for the best, if that one goes. Yeah. What I would have loved, just on a personal note, is mm. if they'd just gotten in touch with Capcom and they'd just been like, look, can we just buy Red Dead Revolver off you and redo oh. that? Just remake that from the ground up. Because <laughs> I went back and played that the other day. Mm. I love that game. It's so that, good. It's so arcadey. Yeah, and it's brilliant. Uh, do you ever play the multiplayer mode on it? Very, very lightly when it first came oh. out. I, I was more this the single player story stuff. It was the reason I got back into playing it is because I actually had to load it up to just double check that there was a feature in it because I'm writing an article on mm-hmm. uh, multiplayer, uh, tiny multiplayer details that made the game sort of thing. Nice. And it was like at the beginning of certain shootouts, at the beginning of certain missions, you would have the shootout. And I know that they brought it back for uh, Red Dead on... Actually, they brought it back for... Oh, the actual, like, jewel stuff. Yeah, they, they brought it back. Yeah. They, it's like how you start the match sort of thing. Mm. And it was like, the person who got in first place oh, got like that. a... Buff. Everyone's in one big row and then you have yeah, to like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I remember and, that. And I, they brought it back for those games there, but they just mm. did it better, I feel, in this opening one there because it was like only four people. It was super tense and it was mm. all couch co-op. So you'd be talking to your friends like, let's shoot Dave. Come on, everyone shoot Dave. And the final <laughs> moment, you betray that person and then end up shooting them. Like, and you could see their cursor moving slowly across. You're like, right. no, no, don't shoot me, don't shoot me. Bang, 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 bang. I remember thinking the art style was really cool. Like I know it was way more rounded. It wasn't as yeah, realistic like as Red cartoony, Dead One and Two, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it's like I, for me that played into how, like you said, it's really arcadey. That's a proper run and gunner. And like when you do the thing, I think you like freeze time and you can paint the cursor over loads of different enemies. Mm. And then Red just takes out like fifty dudes at once. I remember thinking that was yeah. so cool. Um, yeah, that's a massive show. I think in regards to Rockstar, for me they're a bit of a lost cause just because of like the things like the Definitive Edition that just made me go, yeah, you yeah. guys don't care enough about the things that you should care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just curious what GTA Six is with a completely different creative team behind it. Do you know what, um, though? Just uh, on a quick side note, I am yes. really happy that we are finally getting a female protagonist in this. Mm. And I really hope that if we're going down this, uh, what they keep on saying is a Bonnie and Clyde um, mm. situation, like a bank heist if, thing. It, if it is a two-player fully co-op all the way through that story, oh. mode, that would be absolutely amazing. That would, I would be a hell of a way to go. Like, Because the thing is, is that if they're putting all the eggs into the basket here, then why not do that? Have it so True. that that person isn't necessarily tied to the story in the sense of um you know like uh they aren't necessary to the story but a second player could jump in and help you through the campaign as a person to do that because then you avoid any sort of like oh well you're technically meant to be over here when this was happening yeah yeah, but it could be amazing if you have fully co-op 
as a single player. I'm kind of like, I am up for that because I, I, like, looking into the Bonnie and Clyde stuff, that is, like, this old school, like, American, like, it, re- it happened in real life, but it is yes, sort of this, yeah, like, yeah. you know, fondly talked about thing. And it's like, yeah, if you do a series of really cool bank heists that are sort of planned out like GTA 5s were, but you have really cool writing between the couple um, that is, like, because um, one of them is Latina, the female, but they yes. have not said who the other person is. Um, I like the idea of a couple going on a whole bunch of bank heists and there's real mm-hmm. reason for you to get make it out with the money. Um, as opposed to in GTA 5, it was like, sure, we're criminals, we make money, whatever. Yeah. I think you can you can do a cool story around that. Kind of like um is it Natural Born Killers? I forget which movie it is. Yes, um, it is with yeah, Woody Harrelson. The, yes, with the couple and stuff. I think True yeah. Romance is kind of like that too. And um I think I, you can pull from those things. Yeah, I totally cool. agree and it fits in perfectly with the over the top world that is Vice City because if we're exploring mm. it from where it was in the 80s and returning to it there, mm. I'm actually personally hoping that we get a smaller, more compact but more mm. alive city because mm. I thought that the GTA 5 uh, map was for me the perfect size you right. never really got lost there wasn't like too much in the way of just barren wilderness with nothing to do mm-hmm. there was always something to see or go to towards but mm-hmm. there are some games that obviously like you know you've got your far cry sixes that have recently come out and that is too big for me that is yeah, a, just a giant that is much space. too big yeah, I think for GTA, I mean, they said that apparently it started out as massive chunks of all like North America, South America, and it mm-hmm. got like uh, reduced down to be this sort of focused city with uh, more interiors than ever or something. Oh, so okay, it, interesting. It That's seems promising. Cool. I think, um, yeah, and they've 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 also said though it's probably not going to be coming until about twenty twenty five ish. That's um, so fair. I'm happy to wait a ways for away. Like yeah, there's a lot more GTA Online to fill in between now and then. Um, but yeah, for now, this has been the Untitled Bads of Podcast. I've done a double take, but you guys won't know because I'll cut out the original <laughs> take and then leave this in anyway. Um, I I've been Scott Hilfer, joined by Jules Girl. Thank you very much for having me, mate. Yes, a massive thank you to all of you for sending in your questions, and we'll catch you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.